As always, this episode is sponsored by my go-to stop for all things makeup, Revlon. Hey everybody, I'm Ashley Graham, and this is Pretty Big Deal, where confidence is key. Every episode, I get to pick the brains of brilliant, inspiring, honest, new and old friends who are a pretty big deal. Today, we are talking to a true beacon of strength, Demi Lovato. Demi is a two-time Grammy-nominated singer, actress, and activist who stole our hearts from the moment she first flashed that winning smile. Thank you so much for coming on Pretty Big Deal. Thank you for having me. This, I mean, it's so nice to have you on here because you are like a beacon of light on social media. You like come through this with the supportive emojis. (laughs) Like, yes. it's like not even on my page, but I see it on everybody's page. Yeah, that's true. I'm a, I'm a big fan of emojis. Yeah. And you're just like, I like you and I like you. And like, <laughs> it's like, but it's just, it's like, it feels like a sisterhood of support. Yeah. I just wish it was like that with everybody, to be honest. Yeah. Like, it would be so nice if all of the pop stars or all of the influencers or people in the world that like have an impact on other people would be great if we could all just come together and just be like some summit every year Mm. that all these artists go to. And I've actually talked about it with Sam Smith of like getting just a bunch of pop stars together and you can come with your pop star ponytail. Okay, thank you. Cause I was over here like, I can be a backup singer. (laughs) I can do like a Broadway voice like, hey. (laughs) Amazing. Thank you. We were like, we should just like plan a little pop star retreat where we get all of like, the influential singers today. We go on vacation somewhere, either tropical or like, then we thought, no, we should go camping because it'd be really funny to have like a whole campground full of security guards and then a whole campground full of pop stars. And like, we have to build our own tents and stuff. It would just be amazing. Oh no, you know? this is a reality it, show. it would be really great. Yeah. But I think it would be really important and really empower, empowering and important to like come together and figure out like a universal message that we can, like, what is our goal as artists? Like, yes, right. our goal is to, you know, sell tons of records and sell tons of tickets, whatever. But like, what is our actual goal as the generation that is leading people today through music? Like, how are we going to make a difference? And I think that's, and how can we stick together? I think that's really important. It is important. And now more than ever, you have such a strong voice as a pop artist with social media. I feel like musicians have always had a very strong presence when it comes to anything that means something to them. Mm -hmm. And now more than ever, people are watching. And it's a good thing and a bad thing. Because there's that saying, you're damned if you do and you're damned if you Mm. don't. So like, on one hand, I really want to be that woke person that like knows every issue about everything and like wants to make the best positive impact in every way that I can. But like reality is I don't know everything that's going on. For God's sakes, I was homeschooled. (laughs) Like, oh my gosh. So like, wait, do you, do you regret being homeschooled? Do you wish you went to public school? No, I, I, I was homeschooled because I was bullied. And so it was like a different circumstance. And then also when I started homeschooling, I fell in love with how much time I had for music and acting. And then it just, it, and it then it just kind of, love and, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I stuck with that and then I graduated early. So it was good that I got to like focus so much on schooling and get it out of the way so I can do my music. 
That's amazing that your mom homeschooled you, you know? Well, did you beg her or was it like, it was a necessity? It was a necessity. So I like, what happened was like, I got bullied one day at school. I felt really threatened and was hiding in a bathroom. And I called my mom on my cell phone. Thank God I had a cell phone. And I said, I need you to come pick me up from school. I never want to go back. Um, I can't do it anymore. And so she was like, all right. And that day she came by like noon, she unenrolled me. And that was it. Homeschooled after that. Yeah. She was like, nope, because she had been with me through the other bullying stuff. And she was sick of watching it. The problem with bullying back then is nobody was doing anything. Mm -hmm. So there's no awareness. Yes. So this is like probably 2004 or something. Nobody was getting in trouble because the teachers would say, oh, well, the conversation that you printed out and sent to me is through text messages or cyberbullying and that we have no control over. Control over, exactly. So, Which is ridiculous. But now we have control over I social think so. media. Yeah, and I think there's more being done now, thank God. I think there was like a whole movement that came along with that where it was like the bully movie and like right. people started becoming aware of how like devastating bullying was to people. It is devastating. Mm -hmm. I think that it really shows up on social media now. Mm -hmm. And I think it feels like we have allies on social media. And then it feels like there's like the crazy jerks too. Mm -hmm. You've been so great about being so vulnerable and open. And where does it come from for you? I think the most important thing to hold on to in life is gratitude. And with gratitude comes humility. Mm. And like, if you can be humble and walk through life as humble as possible, no matter who gives you what or what opportunities come your way, what goals you achieve. If you can walk through life super humble and down to earth through that, then you're good because you're never gonna forget where you came from and you're never gonna take anything for granted. And so I think when I make mistakes, it's important that I own up to them right away and am vulnerable with it and say, hey, look, like I don't know about certain things or Um, you're right, I should have been more educated on this topic or whatever, but it's just about being real. And like, if I'm wrong, I'll admit it. You know, I'll be the first to admit it and and I'll be the first to apologize too. And it it does suck sometimes like not being able to please everybody, but at the same time, you just have to realize that's Well, you're never gonna be able to. You're never, exactly. So just stay true to yourself and that's all that matters. I think that your bikini picture, I mean, (laughs) that photo was giving me life. (laughs) Thanks. Yes, and you says my biggest fear a picture of me in a bikini unedited. Yeah. <gasps> yeah. I mean, okay, so I have put up unedited photos or uh-huh. edited photos before. Yeah. Yeah, now it's unedited always. Yeah. But I remember when social media first came out and it was like, okay, face two. Yeah. I'm going to spend that 2.99. Exactly. And I would be looking at, I would edit the whole thing. I would maybe leave a couple dimples because I'm like, let me just like keep it semi-real. Yeah. And then I would, you know, the little blue button on the bottom and you can see what you did. And then yes, yes. <laughs> yes. I feel like it's a trigger. I feel like that blue button is a trigger. Uh, well, first of all, if we're going to talk about triggers, social media in itself is a giant trigger. 100%. I did learn that you can mute some people. Yes. Which is good. You can mute stories and feed. Because yes. I'll admit, I have a few friends that are just like so insanely beautiful that like I love them to death. But even seeing my friends, I'll be like, ugh. Why don't I look like that? I know. And I'm like, those are my friends. And in a normal situation, I would unfollow yeah. because it's triggering for me. But, but these are people I love. And I just happen to be friends with these like people that are, <sighs> that are sex symbols ridiculously and, and ridiculously good looking. So I'm like, oh, 
I also love blocking people. Just I love blocking people. I love blocking people I know. I love blocking people I don't know. Like, it's just so great. But we have to talk about the bikini picture because it made waves. I was in Bora Bora and I took a couple bathing suits on that trip, but I really only felt comfortable in one. And I'm like, look, we're here for a week. I don't want to spend the whole time taking bikini pictures. Mm -mm. You know, I want like one that I can post and be like, hey, look at how cool this place was. So then my friend Syra, she's like my biggest hype man when it comes to my body. Like, I love her to death. Is she like this? Like, yes. Yes. Okay, poke the butt out. Okay, yeah, that's the angle. And I'll feel so like large Mm -hmm. at times. Like, or she'll get me on an angle that I think is bad. And she's like, work. (laughs) You know, she's like, oh my God, I'm dying. We have to have hype friends. Yes. And like, I'll have the most like insane photo shoot pictures with her. And I'm like, no, we can't post these. These look bad. (laughs) Like, these are not bad in a bad way, but like these. But you're not comfortable. I'm not comfortable. Those are too sexy. So I will not post those. So hype girl photo. What made you post that photo? So I was in the studio. And I was working with one of my favorite producers, Oak. We were writing and we were like making this song. It was like an anthem about like body positivity. Cause I was like, we need, we need an anthem. When I go into the next chapter of my career, what do I want it to be? Because I've always done the sexy route. I've never really done the whole like feeling comfortable in yourself. Like I don't have to be in a one piece leotard on stage, you know? Cause I'm tired of running myself into the ground with workouts and extreme dieting that like, I thought the past few years was recovery from an eating disorder when it actually was just completely falling into it. Really? Yeah, and and I just realized that like, maybe my symptoms weren't as obvious as before, but it was definitely an eating issue. Is it because you threw yourself into working out? Yeah. And so, so it was just another thing to go into? Yeah, and I think when you have certain people around you that are telling you certain things that you should look a certain way, it makes it harder. So I I was in that situation mm-hmm. and I was just running myself into the ground. And I honestly think that's kind of what led to everything happening over the past year. It was just like me thinking I found recovery when I didn't mm. and then living this kind of lie and mm. trying to tell the world I was happy with myself when I really wasn't. Right. And when I realized I wasn't happy doing that stuff, I made a choice going into this next album. Like, all right, when I present this, I'm not gonna worry about what I look like. Mm -hmm. You know, I'm not gonna worry about trying to look a certain way or fit a certain mold or whatever. Like, that's just not who I am. Someone needs to stand up for people that don't naturally um, look that way. Like I had to work my ass off every day in the gym, six days a week to like, maintain that figure and it's just like that led me only one way and I don't want to go down that path again so I'm not willing to like destroy my mental health to look a certain way anymore well bravo to you for figuring that out because I think that a lot of people when they are going through some kind of recovery they just find the next thing to dive into yeah and you found it and you acknowledged it when you don't have people that like know the signs right around you like I think what I really need needed was someone to come in saying like hey I think you might want to take a look at how much you're working out or like mm. maybe three times a day is excessive for working out you know wow three times there a were day. times where I like lived at the gym 
And I would take business meetings at the gym on my breaks from my workout. And I'd be like in my, I'd be gross, but you know, at least I didn't have to leave and shower. And, right. and then you could just go right back. Into, right back into another workout. I'd eat a meal, go work out, eat a meal, go work out. And it was just like, that's not happiness to me. That's not freedom. No. No. And that's not everything that I've worked for and that I preach to people. So why live that life if it's a lie, you know? So I, I just decided not to live that lie anymore. I love that. Thanks. I just decided to not live that lie anymore. <laughs> yeah. Here she is. Yeah. It is a commitment to be in the public eye. Like, mm -hmm. here we are. It's like we're constantly being judged because of social media. You have this incredible platform of young girls who are constantly looking up to you. It's a lot of pressure. And what you don't realize is like you have these dreams, right? When you're a little girl, like I want to be, for me, I just wanted to be a singer. Right. I just wanted to get on stage and sing in front of people. like. I performed in the talent show when I was in kindergarten and fell in love with it and was like, this is what I want to do for the rest of my life. <laughs> and everybody was like, whoa. Yeah, and they're like, all right, all right. <laughs> <laughs> well. Or no. Yes, it was a big voice, but I also had like my microphone cut out in the middle of my performance. Rude. So it could have like ruined me for life, but instead I was like, I'm going to keep doing this. And I like overcame it. And in that moment, decided my destiny. Now you talked a little bit about like people around you mm -hmm. not knowing like what triggers are and stuff. How do you educate the people around you? I think you just have to be really upfront and open about what your triggers are, you mm -hmm. know, for your specific needs. So, so it's it's the person's responsibility to be completely open. Well, I don't I don't necessarily know. Like I don't okay. I don't know the protocol for this. Okay. I just know from my experience it's been helpful when I if I don't let someone know that they're doing something that's triggering for me, they're going to keep doing it and it's going to keep triggering me. So then right. so you need to ultimately up. I'm just hurting myself. So mm. if you don't stand up for yourself, you're not going to get your message across. Mm. So I think that's why so many people these days are speaking up about what triggers them or what they're sensitive to and it might seem like we live in the day and age where everything is triggering to somebody about something. Right. And yes, that can be overwhelming at times too, but if you just kind of take a second and think, okay, well, why is this person triggered? Maybe just like be a little sensitive to what they're going through, have a little empathy, then you can understand what, you know, they're dealing with every time they hear you say something or, or see you doing something, right. you know? I ask because there's someone in my family that's very close to me mm -hmm. and I'm always so cautious. Yeah. And I feel like I'm stepping on my tiptoes. Yeah. And I don't want to. I want mm -hmm. to be open, but I also want to be educated on how to handle these situations walking into it. Because I think that, you know, it takes two to have a conversation. For sure. And it takes two to help anybody. Mm -hmm. So I that's where I'm coming from when I'm asking, like, you know, what is it? And how, how does the one on the other side who isn't going through the recovery, how do they support the one who is? I think... Just being open to feedback is really important. Mm. And also, maybe the more time you spend with that person, the easier it gets. That's so, true. you know, if you're around somebody all the time that's triggering to you and you tell them when it's triggering, it's just like practicing. The more you spend time around them, the easier it gets. Then you won't feel like you're walking on eggshells all the time. Right. You know, just you kind of get into a rhythm with things. And that's kind of how it goes, at least in my experience. If there's one thing I love more than shopping, it's saving. Online shopping is supposed to be easy, but it can almost be impossible to find valid coupons. And that is where Honey comes in. 
Honey is a free online shopping tool that automatically finds the best promo codes and applies them to your cart. With Honey, you can sweeten any deal. Checkout can be the most daunting part of any online shopping experience, but when you're using Honey, a little box drops down that prompts you to click apply coupons. All you have to do is wait a few seconds while it scans every promo code on the web. Prices drop in the blink of an eye. Last week, I saved almost $40 on a baby monitor that I know I'm just gonna be obsessed with. Honey supports over 30,000 stores and counting. Look, not using Honey is like literally passing up free money. It's free to use and installs in just two clicks. So get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash pretty big deal. That's joinhoney.com slash pretty big deal. Now let's get back to pretty big deal. Who's inspiring to you, like right now? You. Oh. <laughs> oh, and I'm serious. Thank you. Yeah. When I first found out about you and like you stepping onto the scene, I was just like, I wish I had somebody like you when mm. I was growing up. Thank because you. Because when I was growing up, all I had were really, really, really thin starlets that had that grunge. Quote perfect body. Yes. There's a term that I'm trying not to use. But okay. It's, there's a, it's like a blank chic. Okay, got look. it, got yeah. it. Yeah, it's just like a, a not healthy physique that was being praised in the fashion industry, mm. which was trickling down into, you know, the media through magazines and so. I've been there too. Yeah, and, and I didn't have anybody when I was 13 that was saying, hey, if your hips start to fill out a little bit, you know, cause you're going through puberty, it's okay. <laughs> it was like just like- Red stretch marks, they're gonna be there, it's all right. Yeah, I wish I had had someone that, that would say that, but it gave me the incentive to lead with this message as I got older. I knew I didn't have anybody. There was one person actually that I had looked up to. I love Kelly Clarkson. Kelly Clarkson she's will always so rad. be- Yeah, she's so rad. She's so funny, down to earth. She's just like everything that I want in a role model. That's what oh, Kelly Clarkson is. Yeah. And she will always be that for me. Also, Christina Aguilera. Yes. Like, she's a woman that doesn't try to fit to the standards of what people think you should look like. You know, she owns whatever shape she's in mm -hmm. and she rocks it with confidence and she could be this big or curvy and she's beautiful and she's still so talented. Like, and that's the thing about women is we're yeah. ever evolving. Yeah. And I don't think that the world that we live in lets us evolve as women. So I read this book called Eating in the Light of the Moon and yeah. it talks about how women are suppressed in society today because men have taught us that we are supposed to focus on our looks before our potential. Oh, interesting. Yes, so we're distracted by trying to fit into this tiny little corset where we can't breathe. <sighs> so all day long, we're trying to figure out how to go about our day without breathing very well because we're in a corset. Think right. about this is 100 years ago or whatever. Right. You know, we can't breathe very well. We're, we're limited on what we can do as women anyways in the right. first place. We're probably starving. You know, it's just things like that where it's like, we are not going to be able to compete against a man in a comfortable suit. Right. You know, so of course our power is taken away when we're distracted by what we look like and by trying to fit someone else's mold that we don't naturally fit in. Mm -hmm. You know, we're not naturally meant to look angular and masculine, mm -hmm. but that's what, oftentimes our subconscious tries to do. So talking about body still, there's mm -hmm. so many affirmations that I have for myself. I think that you've said that you've ha you have affirmations as well for yourself. Do you do those? So I have 
a bunch of people um, that I work with in the recovery aspect of my life. So um, one of them is a dietitian, one of them is a therapist. And my dietitian was telling me, she's like, you know, I don't think it's so much about body positivity as, as much as it, you need to focus on body acceptance. Mm-hmm. So it's like now when I look in the mirror and I start to have a negative thought, I don't stop and say, no, you're beautiful, you're gorgeous, I love you, you're perfect the way you are, because I don't believe that. So what I say to myself is, nope, you're healthy, and I accept you. Oh, that's And that's powerful. all I need to do is accept you. You know, you're healthy, I don't, and I, I accept, accept you. you. Yeah, and like, so you express gratitude in the health, and then you just express reality and accepting yourself rather than trying to convince yourself of something that you don't believe. Like I said, I would love to be in a place where I could say I'm super confident in my body, but the reality is I'm not. Mm-hmm. Like, I, I just am not, like I haven't worn a pair of jeans in forever because I don't like jeans. They don't make me feel great right now. I get that. And I don't have to fucking wear jeans if I don't want to. So no, right don't. now I'm wearing like these stretchy, really comfy pants. And they look cool. Pants. They look cool. Thank you. Uh, I haven't worn jeans for six months. Yeah, neither have I. <laughs> It's fantastic. Yes. <laughs> but sometimes you have to do that for yourself. You do. I could not tell you how much I weigh right now if like if, I, if my life depended your... on it. Normally I could tell you what I weighed without a scale. I could tell you down to the ounces what I weighed without a scale. Wow. Like it was that intense. And now I finally feel like I have freedom from it because I really do, I literally don't know my weight. And it's the most free that I've ever felt in my whole life. That's from that powerful. part of my life. Yeah. Something that I did on social media was take a picture of myself from the side and it was like rolls. And I said, same, same, but a little different. I love that. It was a day where I was like feeling anxious. Mm -hmm. I had had like a a fit that morning. I was just crying because it's like I'm things are ever changing. Yeah. And I feel like because I put that on social media, I got so much goodness back. Yeah. I wasn't alone. Mm -hmm. That's the community I want. That's, Mm -hmm. it's about Mm self-acceptance. And I'm really glad you said that because it's not about body love, it's about body acceptance. Mm -hmm. And and why say fake it till you make it? Yeah. Because that's not what we want to teach girls, to fake it till you make it. We've been taught that for so long. Yeah. So there was someone in my life that used to tell me all the time, power through it. Like Mm. that was, that was their motto for me. So if I had a really rough tour and I was getting burnt out and I had a couple weeks left to go, I'm like, I can't do it anymore. This person would say, power through it, power mm-hmm. through it. That phrase kept repeating in my head all the time in instances where I really shouldn't have powered through it, like the death of uh, my great-grandmother, mm-hmm. who I was very, very close to. I got her tattooed on my mm-hmm. arm. Like, I, I love her so much. You know, when I lost my dog, I, I went through a year where I lost, within like eight months, I think, five people and two dogs. Just like back to back. It felt like almost once a month. I probably suppressed a year's worth of pain mm. or multiple years worth of pains because you don't lose that many people and animals in one year. No. So I, I stuffed it down for so long and I just had that thought in my head of power through it, power through it. So that's what I did. I just wish people could be more gentle with themselves. Mm. And if having to go down the lane of body acceptance rather than body love or body positivity yet is all you can do, then like stay there, mm-hmm. you know, do that. Do whatever works best for you. We're constantly under microscopes mm-hmm. and you have been incredibly outspoken. How does it feel to speak out about things that are passionate to you? And and what is the 
What has the response been? You're not supposed to do this, but I made this pact with God. I was much younger and I was just like, look God, like if you make me famous, if you make me a singer and give me Grammys and stuff, like I will do your word. It's just like, okay, you got to hold up your end of the bargain. Like what difference are you going to make in this world? What change right. are you going to make? Right. The first thing that I ever spoke out about was bullying. And, and I think as time went on, I started speaking about more and more things that I felt passionate about. and Or things that were affecting you as Or were well. affecting me, yeah. Like mental health, I thought was a really important yes, one. Yes, definitely mental health. Then people started calling me like problematic. They would be like, oh, she complains about everything. You can't please everybody. You just no. got to stay true to yourself. What has your faith been like for you walking through this chapter of life? My faith has been renewed a lot mm. over the past year and a half of my life. I have never experienced miracles mm -hmm. uh, firsthand. Like I've heard about them. Right. I think when you go through something that's so life altering and when the end result is something that no one was expecting, I think that's a miracle. And yeah. I think it's a miracle I'm sitting here today. So mm -hmm. my faith was so renewed by mm -hmm. everything that I went through. And then I also just had a, a trip where I went um, to Israel and I got baptized in the River of Jordan. Oh, chills. Yeah, where Jesus got oh, baptized. So and beautiful. it was all these places that I had just grew up reading about in the Bible. My Aunt Kathy and my Uncle Jason took me to this church convention, this Pentecostal church convention um, when I was a preteen. And they were like, what are you doing today? And I was like, I'm literally laying around watching TV, nothing. They were like, come to this church convention. And I was like, okay. So we went, I'm the only kid in our little group, right? So I have to go to the youth service and they go to the adult service. I'm okay. like, all right, y'all didn't tell me that. Right. Like, you're gonna leave me when we get We're here? Separated. That's not fair. Exactly. Rude. I'm in like, this youth service with a couple hundred kids and I don't know anybody, but I'm just like standing there in the back. And then this woman starts speaking in tongue and I can't remember if she was translating or the woman next to her, but anyways, this woman, she prophesized over me and the translation was, first of all, she pointed to me, I'm in the back of the room and she said, come here. And so I'm like, oh God, um, no like pun I'm intended. Yeah, I'm like, <laughs> what did I do? She puts her hand on my head and she starts speaking in tongue. The translation was, you're gonna be a hero to thousands of people someday through art. And in my mind, I'm like, yeah, music. I know, I know you're telling me this, but I already know it. She just looks at me and she goes, are you ready? And I was like, yes. Yes, I'm ready. Like wait, but I got chills again when she's. You're said, gonna Are you get ready? even more chills because the story gets better. So, I go home. I'm like, wow, that was wild. Like I tell my aunt and uncle, they're like, you need to write this down, whatever. So a couple years go by. I auditioned for two projects, um, with at the on, in the same day, and then I fly back home to L or to Texas from LA to wait to hear. Right, mm -hmm. like I'm waiting to hear. Because this is still when you're auditioning, auditioning, auditioning. Yes. Okay. Um, I'm about, I think I'm 14 here. I go to the water park one day and I get sunburned. So I go to Walgreens. This is, I am horrible at telling stories. I will give you every detail. Um, um, I'm kind of like here for it. So okay, okay, great. So I go into Walgreens, I get my like aloe vera, but as I'm like going in on the welcome mat, you know, the big yeah. black mat in yeah. front of the opening doors, um, there's this business card and it's just this black business card with yellow writing that says, are you ready? Ooh. Question mark. So I'm like, okay, that's weird. I knew exactly what that was. So I picked it up, I flip it over and it's got a Bible verse on the back of it. Like, it's not like for like some 
lawn landscaping company. You no. know what I mean? She was like, Mom, oh, it was sorry. about Judgment Day. Okay. So Revelation it didn't, or something. Yes, it didn't have necessarily anything to do with my career. But I, <laughs> Maybe I like something later in life. But I saw this card and it said, are you ready? And I'm like, yeah, I think I'm ready, God. And literally a couple days later, I got the phone call that I booked not only one of the gigs, but both of them. One was Camp Rock and one was Sunny with a Chance. Oh my gosh! Yes. And that was a week later. And then when I did my first tour, my first tour manager or production manager would always say to me, he'd give me my microphone before I went out on stage and he'd go, are you ready? <gasps> yeah, it was just like so wild that everything me, came out that way. You this know? is miracle. This yeah. is what that is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that is God shining his light and saying like, hey, I've got your back, sister, no matter what. Yeah. I think that's so cool. I, I always move through signs and wonders as well. And like, mm -hmm. I'm a prayerful woman. And I just like, I need to know, because if I'm not moving in his path, then I'm not moving in, in the right path. Right. So I always am praying and asking for signs like that. And I love that story because Thanks. that's just yeah. like, that's so on point. Yeah. That's awesome. Thanks. It's so hard sometimes to just like continuously put your every, I don't know, thought and move through throughout the world and like and to explain yourself to 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 society to social media to your fans and all of that i think it's important not to put myself in a position where i can be torn down mm -hmm. going forward when mm -hmm. it comes to those sensitive topics like mm -hmm. that for me there may even come a day where I, I decide um not to talk about my food recovery because i just am not feeling it that day or you know that's where i am at in my recovery then mm -hmm. you know I think it, at this point in my life, it's just important that I like start making those decisions so that when it's time to release music and do all the interviews and, you know, mm -hmm. the press conferences or whatever. Back out there. Yeah, when I put myself back out there, it's like I need I'm doing all the thinking now of like what is it that I'm gonna say, what is it that I'm not gonna say. Mm -hmm. And actually I've been thinking about that for a whole year now. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I've been really grateful to have this year to think about it. And honestly, that's because like I've got a really great team around me now that like supports my well-being and didn't want to rush me back into the spotlight. And like, even though I'm chomping at the bit, like, let me release music, please. They're like, no, just wait. Like, it'll be good timing for this and blah, blah, blah. How do you honor your limitations? Like in scenarios like this and scenarios like social media, getting back into the limelight, like where are you with your limitations and honoring them? And maybe you're figuring it out. I don't know. Yeah, I think I'm just still figuring it out. It's definitely case by case. You know, I recently lost a good friend of mine a couple weeks ago, and I canceled the studio, you know, multiple times that week. The old me would have forced myself to go to the studio or would have listened to someone else saying, no, just get in there, see what you make, you know. Power through. Power through it, exactly. Exactly, that's what I'm talking about. And I really allowed myself, like I took days off from my scheduling. And that way I was able to really process it and grieve. That year that I went where I lost so many people and so many animals, like I feel like I didn't do any processing mm -hmm. through that whole time. But in this experience, I was like, no, I need to allow myself time to grieve because I know what happens later on down the road mm -hmm. if I don't. So I allowed myself to grieve. I took time off and I was just like, this is what a normal person So this does. is like, okay, this is a new yeah. me honoring my limitations. Yes. It's also like having an amazing team around me that's gonna be like, hey, if you can't make it in today, don't worry about it. Mm. Or like, hey, if we have to cancel this week, like you lost a good friend of yours, like it's understandable. And I just haven't ever had that before. It was always go to the next thing, go to the next appointment, shoot the next scene, 
whatever it was, it was just always power through it. And so no wonder, like I ended up where I did a mm -hmm. year ago because mm -hmm. that was my mentality. You know, you can't power through life. You, you just can't. can't. You have to feel things. You have to process things. You have to grieve and you have to like set learn. boundaries. Set boundaries, exactly. That's a big thing. And I've gotten really comfortable with setting boundaries. There was somebody that came up to me at a Halloween party last night and was like, hey, are we cool? We haven't talked in forever. And this person and I like, no, we weren't cool. So I was like, no, actually you were really inappropriate to me the last time that we, sp we spoke and I've distanced myself from you because of it. I felt like your comments were very inappropriate, me being a woman. Um, he just said something that about- But you could, you could step up for yourself. Yeah, I stepped up for myself and I felt empowered last night as I was saying that. And I, and I, I took ownership. I was like, hey, look, maybe I should have told you this sooner so you didn't wait around for however long to figure out what happened. I was like, but to be honest, we're living in the day and age where people are just now saying it's okay to come out and talk about these things. Mm -hmm. So like when this happened, I didn't feel comfortable enough to say, I didn't have the confidence to be like, hey, that's inappropriate. Right. You're a grown ass man. You should not be talking to me about that. You know, whereas now I can say that and feel good about it. And do you think this has come with maturity? I think it's come with maturity, but also, also just times. social awareness, yeah, you know? It's I like, agree. I feel like had me too and Time's Up not happened, I would never have said this to that guy because I am a people pleaser. I do want everyone to be happy all the time, which mm -hmm. is why I have such a complex when it comes to being a performer. You want to please everybody. You want to go number one so that everybody likes it because that means you did a good job. But reality is you're not gonna make something that everyone likes all the time. So you have to just follow your heart and do what's right to you. So yes, I think social awareness, like was the reason why I felt comfortable saying that. And and also because you actually set boundaries for yourself. And actually, yeah, and actually because I respect myself enough to set boundaries. Yeah, I think- That's a you, big deal. You can't set boundaries with people unless you respect yourself enough to know why you're having to set these boundaries with people. Mm. And most of the boundaries I've learned, yes, they start with friends, but a lot of times it starts with families. One of my favorite sayings is, no one pushes your buttons like your family does because they're the ones that put them there. Mm. So you're when you put it when no you put one, it like that. Say it one more time. No, no one, one pushes, pushes your, your buttons like your family, family does, does because they they're the ones that put them there. That's good. You know, I've set boundaries with my family over the years, right. and and it's only brought us closer. Like we're only that much closer of a family. Yeah. So boundaries can be a good thing. Yeah, you know, and I, I and I highly recommend that women especially set boundaries for themselves. Even when they feel like they can't because they'll be rejected or something. It's like, I would actually rather be rejected for being authentic than loved for something that I'm not. I think more young girls need to understand Yes, that. definitely. They do. I'm so excited because you're acting now. Yes, I am. She's yes. back. I'm back. It goes back to the whole body acceptance thing. Okay, tell me. I didn't act for so many years because I was so insecure about my weight. I did a role on From Dust Till Dawn, which was, I think, the last acting gig that I did. How many years ago was that? That was probably 2015. Wow. Yeah. So it's been at least four. Four years. And I haven't done a sitcom in 10 years. Wow. So being back on Will and Grace was like, I actually had to work through some triggers because it was a sitcom and it was very fast paced and it's right. a comedy. So you you have to be ready to make people laugh and put your emotions aside of whatever you're dealing with. But once I got into it, I was like, okay, as long as I'm acknowledging the feelings that come with mm -hmm. this and I like announce my triggers to the people around me, mm -hmm. I can get through it. But I'm back and, and I wanted to start out with comedy because- Well, you're kind of funny. Thank you. 
But like, I wanted to start out with comedy because I didn't want to take myself too seriously. Ah. And I also just fucking love comedy. Like, when I look back on my career, the main thing that I loved about acting was that it was a comedy. I kind of find it easier to just start crying and do an emotional performance rather than making someone laugh. Because you you always make people around you laugh. Anytime I've been around you, it's like everybody's <laughs> laughing. It doesn't matter if we're at the gym or we're at the oh, makeup thanks. room or we're at a party. It's oh, like good. people are laughing. When I took acting lessons as a kid, my acting coach taught emotional recall. Okay. So what you do is if you have a sad scene, you teach yourself, okay, put yourself in a sad experience that you had, it's like method acting. Right. You pull from those emotions, you pull from that experience. And that's mainly what I learned as a kid, rather than it wasn't till I was like a preteen that I started learning comedy for Disney Channel because they were sending a lot of the auditions. I did a, a cameo in a movie called Eurovision. With Will Ferrell. Yes. So and exciting. that was a dream come true. <laughs> I kid you not. I was so starstruck. Really? So starstruck. Because and I was of him trying or to people be cool. on set? No, because of him. Ah! Like, he's just the greatest. And I will tell you, I don't know if I've met a nicer icon oh. in my life. Like, he is such an icon of an actor. He has taken very bold risks in his career for the characters that he chooses. The way he plays them, he plays them fearlessly. He makes you laugh. All Like, he's just great. And he was the nicest guy. And I was just like, I was like, Wow, you could, I think I told them this, he could easily be a dick if he wanted to. Like, he's that talented to where you could be like, no, but like, he's that talented, he could be a dick. You know what I mean? I actually would watch Saturday Night Live and Mad TV when I was like five with my Aunt Lisa because she was my best friend. Um, I was a very old soul at Clearly five. Clearly, yeah. Mad TV at five. I wouldn't go spend the night at my friend's house. I'd go spend the night at my aunt's because she let me watch Saturday Night Live and Mad TV. So I like watched Will Ferrell on Saturday Night Live in the late 90s. Like I saw him and I, and so I was good. able to thank him. I was like, your movies also not only did they help me want to become a comedic actress, but also what you don't realize is that I told him, I was like, when I was in rehab, we watched like three of your movies. We only had one movie night. Wow. And you know, all week we, we work hard. We spend 14 hours a day working on therapy, deep emotional work. You're crying all day, every day. It's exhausting. You know, people think of rehab as like this vacation, right? And I'm mm -hmm. sure there are some places where you can go where it's like that. The places that I have been, you actually do hard work. And wow. so you are drained. And so when you, they say it's movie night, you all wanna you want watch, is a comedy. you want a comedy, you want something that's gonna make you laugh. And I said, what you don't realize, Will, is that for three weekends of my stay, you got me through with your jokes and your acting and your laughing. And not only did you help me, but all of the other people that I was in there with, like you lifted them of their burdens and their obstacles for an hour and a half or two hours. And that got us through the whole week. So like, you may be thinking you're just doing a comedy right now, but you don't realize the effect that it's having on people that are, say, in rehab, fighting for their lives. That's, you know? Amazing. And he was able to like hear that. And I think it really touched him. And maybe because I don't think anybody's put it into that perspective for him. And I mean, why would they? You I know, face-to-face -face conversation. I'm, who knows if he's heard that. And, may, and maybe he has, but I just, I wanted him to know that for me. Because yeah. to be able to do Eurovision a year later. Mm. So I went from like watching him in rehab one year to a year later being in a movie with him. You know, it was just like, it's things like that that make God really evident to me. Yes. So like, I can't attest to other people's experiences and miracles, 
But I can just say that I believe God is evident in my life today because of the things that he has done, like the thing, the prophecy when I was younger, mm-hmm. like what I've gotten through over the past year, just things like that. Little signs like Will Ferrell. Yeah, little signs like Will Ferrell. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, we have to also talk about very important people in your life, like your, and I want to say it right, Levatic. My Levatic. Yeah. You did. To be honest, I'm not even really sure how it's who started? Okay. They well, did. I was like saying it backstage. I was like, Levotics, 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 Levotics. Yes. Because when I do it over and over, it gets stuck in that's my That's how I do it. That's oh. how I do it in the studio or on set, anywhere. Yeah. That's, how, that's how I do it. The whole like naming your fandoms thing came while I was in treatment when I was, in eight, when I was 18. So I like went into treatment and I didn't have like a fandom name and came out. My mom's like, yeah, your Levotics are crazy. I'm like, what is that? <laughs> your mom told yes. me about it. She was just like. So onto it. And so she is the one that told me about the Levotics. And I was like, do they mean Levotics like addicts or what is it? So I just went with Levotics. Okay. All it right. It could be Levotics. It could not be. What, <laughs> what is your relationship like with your fans? My fans and I have, I think, a really funny relationship because I interact with them so much on Instagram and stuff. I feel like sometimes my fans think that I get mad at them and then and sometimes there are things that they say that I do get mad at, but I don't get mad at them as a whole. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Like, they'll be like, we love you, but why'd you cut your hair? Or just something oh, stupid yeah. like no, that, I where know. it's just like, really? I know. Like, I know. can't you, you know just what love I me get? for me? I know. I always get, oh, I didn't know you weren't as big in person. Yes. Are you kidding? Dead ass I serious. would throw hands. You know what I say to them? I'm like, <laughs> oh, isn't that a wonder? <laughs> I... Yeah. What makes Demi Lovato feel sexy? What makes me feel sexy? Jiu-jitsu. I love that answer. Yeah, I really do feel sexy when I'm doing jiu-jitsu because I'm in tune with what I'm doing. I'm completely present. I'm not focused on my body at all, which is another reason why I'm such an advocate for it. It's because jiu-jitsu is really like human chess. Like mm. you, you are constantly thinking of strategies to attack, mm. but defend at the same time. So you can't be thinking about oh my God, is my stomach looking like this? Or, you know, what do my thighs look like in the gi? Like, you can't be thinking about that because you're going to get choked out or you're going to get a broken bone. Mm -hmm. And then you're trying to do that to someone else. It's just really, really great. It's I find it very meditative. I'm trying it. You have to. It's so good. And then I'll set you up with my guy who goes to Unbreakable. Oh, perfect. Yeah, so he's there. I'll pop this kid out in a couple months and bada bing, bada boom. (laughs) But I asked the word sexy because sexy is so relative, right? Like as a woman, like there's so much of us, like the cis female is like sexy. There's something Mm -hmm. in our sexuality. And I feel like it's been ever evolving for you. And we started off this conversation and you were like, I'm going to come out and do I want to be in a leotard? Yeah. You know, all of those things. And has sexy been redefined for you today? Definitely. I think sexiness is less about body positivity for me. It's just body acceptance. Mm -hmm. And I think sexy is, like I said, when I'm doing jujitsu and I'm not thinking about my body. It's not because I'm naked and I love my body. You know, I'm not saying, oh, I'm in the mirror loving myself naked. You know, Mm -hmm. that's just, that's not true. That's not, I don't feel sexy that way anymore. Mm -hmm. I feel sexy when I'm showing my strength, when I'm showing intelligence when I'm able to sit across from someone at dinner and hold a great conversation with them and they can see you for the person that you are, I think that's sexy. That is I think sexy. humor is sexy. Like, oh. there's nothing sexier than a funny guy. Oh, I know. Funny guys are crazy. That's how Justin got me. Really? Oh, yeah. I was. They, I've heard this, right? Where the, it's like someone said, funny guys are dangerous because they'll make you laugh and all of a sudden you're naked. Yeah. 
It's true. I mean, basically. That's basically. Like, that's basically how it happened with me. Mine's just like guys or girls. If the guy or the girl is funny, then I'm in trouble. So. Well, you heard it here first. Humor. <laughs> Debbie Lovato, you want to that? There you go. <laughs> okay, just to wrap this whole thing up, the last thing you do on Pretty yes. Big Deal is a live boldly lightning round question. Okay. And you just have to answer the question. Okay. It should be simple. Okay, I won't elaborate because that will make it not lightning round. Okay, deal. Yes. The last pretty penny you spent was? My costume that I bought on Wednesday <laughs> for my Halloween party last night. It was really elaborate. It was so elaborate and it was like way more expensive than I thought it would be. What's the biggest deal breaker for you? Not respecting my boundaries. Amen. Yeah. I had somebody recently not respect my boundaries and I was like, okay, well, since you can't learn to respect my boundaries, why don't you just tell everyone it didn't work out? Mm. And he was like, okay. <laughs> So that was my answer to that person. But well, that's yeah. a good one. It's a it's a turn off when someone can't respect your boundaries. Like yeah. they don't respect you as a woman or I, a person. Yep. I said I wasn't gonna elaborate. I know. And I there I go. That, I'm sorry. But I just kept letting. But you know what? I'm a pageant girl, and I'm oh. I'm taught to elaborate. They need that because they need the long answer answer, and they need like you need to prove yourself within like three sentences. And here she goes. And here I go. Here okay, I go. last question. Last this question. is it. I'm so sorry. Because you're a pretty big deal and we're on pretty big deal and I only have pretty big deals on my show. Okay, good. What's a pretty big deal to you? The most important thing to me actually is the elections. Yes. You know, like as much That's as- That's the first time we heard this so really? far. Really? Yes. Okay. Yeah, I, I just find myself thinking about it a lot and that to me is more important than, than the Grammys. Go and vote. Go and vote. Yeah. Get your voice heard. This is a great way to end this this whole conversation. I am so appreciative of you. I'm so appreciative of you. I mean, like, thank you for coming on. You are a beacon of light. More young people need to hear from you. And I'm just so excited for what's to come. And I'm also so excited that you're well and you're here you. and you're just incredibly beautiful inside and out. So thank you, Demi. Thank you. And everything you just said about me, I would say to you, Aww. like that's exactly how I feel and more. Thank you. Thank you, Demi. Thank you. Don't forget to join the conversation on social. Follow us, Pretty Big Deal on Instagram and Twitter, and send us all your questions and comments. We want to hear from you. Pretty Big Deal is produced by Pretty Big Deal Productions and OBB Sound.